Welcome to The Honest Pour with John Lennart, where we go beyond the bottle to connect you with the people and places that make each wine so unique. In this episode of The Honest Pour, I talk with winemaker Maxence Deloux from Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, who is cultivating fabulous fruit in a place where grapes have never been grown before. In the Yunnan province of China, near the legendary city of Shangri-La, Deloux presents Aoyun, a new luxury brand Cabernet Sauvignon. This episode of The Honest Pour is sponsored in part by Foodeter.com, bringing you the stories of Chicago's chefs, restaurants, and people who make food all over town. Foodeter.com. Hi, welcome to The Honest Pour. I'm John Leonard, and joining me today is Maxence Dudu of Aoyun, a Chinese Cabernet Sauvignon. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. So China, how, how did you end up in China making wine? Uh, I, was, uh, I, was, I was thinking that China, uh, as big as it is, will, uh, will, will, uh, will permit to make great wine, but it was only in my mind. And in 2012, uh, Moet & C gave me this fantastic opportunity to, to, to participate to the creation of this, uh, of this new wine from scratch. So it's, it's a fantastic adventure. How many vintages in are you now? Uh, we just finished the 2016 uh, vintage, so we have four vintages. Uh, four vintages. Uh, that we, that we, uh, China is this vast, vast place. Where in China is your vineyard, and why did you select it? So this project started a long time ago. It started in 2008, uh, when Christophe Navarre, the head of Moet & C, wanted to create something new uh, in a new place, and, uh, and China was perfect for this. We searched a long time because uh, 95% or more of the surface of China uh, do not have the climate that permits us to make uh, the type of wine we want to do. We want to do a fine, elegant wine with a strong uh, identity of the place. And 95% uh, of China is or too wet in summer or too warm. Or or to warm in summer also, so too wet means that you have difficulty to ripe and to have clean aroma. And to warm, it means that you will have a wine a little bit more heavy than what we wanted. So we understood this and we had to search for a microclimate. This is why we end uh, where we are now. So we are in the Yunnan province, but on the north of the Yunnan, so we are touching the foothill of the Himalaya. Okay. Actually, we've got a 7,000 meter high uh, mountain above our vineyard. 7,000 meter. Yeah, so <laughs> we have, uh, like, uh, there is eternal snow on, on this mountain. And so uh, China is, is very big. So, um, in fact, we are, we are in north of Yunnan in the foothill of the Himalaya. This is, this is a place where we are. In so near Tibet. Yes. Um, you said that you were searching for... A, a place where you could make wine that would express the sense of place, but without having any wine ever grown anywhere, really, how did you know what that sense of place was going to be and how it was going to express itself? So, uh, well, what we do usually, we analyze the climate and the soil and we expect something, but it's still on the paper and it's still very dangerous to invest in a place uh, where you only have uh, climate data. Uh, in our situation, we have something more, much more, um, much more palpable is uh, the local villagers, so the Tibetan farmer villagers that live on this land since centuries. They planted some vineyard in 2000. So when we find this place uh, for the first time, when we arrive in this place, 2011, we could taste the grape 
before the harvest of the farmer. And 2012 also, and after, with, with, uh, with this uh, experience of tasting the grape, we could see uh, deeper the potential and we were sure that it was a good place. And what would you say the sense of place is and how does it express itself in the wine? So uh, we've got something uh, unique, uh, as, uh, as a wine critic say, um, there is a unique expression in terms of aroma, in, in terms of, uh, of uh, mouth sensation and, and balance. We've got some kind of hybrid between new world and old world. Um, so it's, it's very difficult to find a wine that is looking like this wine, but uh, a kind of hybrid, this we can, we can, we can find. So, In Aroma, we have some uh, ripe fruits that are intermixed with more freshness, uh, like uh, cedar wood, uh, blonde tobacco, uh, mixed with, uh, so this is more from uh, Pauillac wine, Cabernet Sauvignon. This is mixed with a more ripe fruit that we can get in the new, new world wine. In the mouth, we've got this uh, smoothness that we can compare to Napa Valley, uh, very beautiful tannin, but uh, this is structured by a strong acidity, a stronger acidity than in Bordeaux, and it's give, a, it's give a, a, a cool, fresh balance. Um, so this is again hybrid, and we have, we have the chance to have very, very silky tannins. So, so it seems that You're saying that it expresses fruit much like California New World, yet with all the elegance and structure of Poyac. Yeah. Or, yeah? Yeah, I mean, uh, the complexity, usually, uh, it's, it's a mix with a lot of things. And, and in our case, we, we have, yes, this fruit, but uh, other, uh, other type of aromas that will add complexity, like uh, tobacco, cedar wood, cigar box. How, how large is the vineyard? So we have 30 hectares. Uh, I'm sorry, 40? 30, 30. Oh, 30, uh, okay. But this uh, uh, 30 hectares are dispatched in four different villages at four different altitudes. The objective was to, uh, to complexify also the wine uh, with more climate and also because we, we don't know exactly where we go. So it permits us to have, uh, to have different opportunities to, to, to make the blend. We, uh, we trust in the blend, uh, in this project. It's a, it's a project with the objective to make fine wine and to complexify the wine with a, with a blend process. Uh, we trust that some very good wine can, can make a great wine after this blend. And in our case, we are blending now 90% Cabernet Sauvignon with 10% Cabernet Franc, but we are blending a lot of different terroirs. Okay, uh, 30 hectares, we've got 300 blocks. This is made with half of the 30 hectares because half is planted since 2000. So this is made with mature vineyard. So it's around 150 blocks and we select the best expression of each terroir to blend it and to make this wine. Terrific. I know you're concerned. It's a, it's a sunny day. We're sitting here. It's a little warm. Normally we taste wine at the end of my show, but you want, you want to taste the wine before it warms up too much. So why don't we go ahead and taste the wine? Okay. You know, deep, beautiful color. So usually we, we need to double decant the wine because it's very young and it um, needs the oxygen mm -hmm. to, uh, to open up. Boy, elegant nose. Very complex.
Mm. That's delicious. Definitely, definitely that kind of new world fruit. If I had to blind taste this wine, I would not be thinking France at all. Yeah. Um, but nice acidity, very silky tannin. Um, so tell me about the 2013 vintage, what we're tasting. So 2013, every year still um, experimentation. I mean, it's, uh, we, we start from scratch with this new climate. I have to talk to you about the climate. The climate is, uh, I mean, if you look at the average temperature, maximum, minimum, it looks like Bordeaux, but it's dispatched completely differently because the vineyards are, are nested uh, deep inside a steep valley. So, in fact, uh, we find this microclimate because it's in the Mekong Valley River and it's protected from the rain by uh, East, uh, East River, which is um, Yangtze and West River, which is Salwen. So it's really uh, in protected microclimate. So uh, because we are very steep in this valley and the mountains are very high, uh, we have uh, something very particular, which is the number of sunshine hours. The number of the sunshine hits the vineyard. In Bordeaux, if you compare with Bordeaux, in June you've got 15 hours of sunshine. In our place, the sun just starts to hit the vineyard at 9 o'clock in the morning, because before it was uh, behind the mountain, sure, sure. and at six o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to go behind the other mountain. So it's a very short period of well, sunlight. So it's like four to five hours less sunshine hours than in Bordeaux, which is, uh, which is a very important parameter that makes that we can keep this acidity, this cool aroma. And uh, on the other side, the UV are a little bit stronger than in Bordeaux in summer, temperature a little bit lower. And so this means that uh, it's gonna it's gonna delay the maturity uh, because less sunshine hour. So it's compensated partially by stronger UV, but not totally. So you need a, a longer ripening period. And here is a magical of the place. It's because uh, the end of season is very sunny and very dry. So we oh, can yeah. do this here. We could not do this in Bordeaux because we will have a lot of uh, rot in our place. The, the, the cool night and the small quantity of sun is, is, uh, is ripening slowly the grape and, and there is no rain at this period or few quantity of rain. So the, the grapes still in perfect shape. And so is there, is there, a, is there a great diurnal shift during the day? Is lower temperatures, higher temperatures, or is it fairly consistent throughout the day, the temperatures? Uh, during day and night, yeah, yes. we've got uh, we've got a very big, um, very big gap, particularly in October, which is uh, the core of our harvest. So uh, we harvest October. We harvest between 15 September to 15 November, depending on the altitude wow. yeah, of sure. the village, because we have four villages from 2,200 to 2,600 meters. So it's create uh, one month and a half or two months long harvest. Uh, but usually it's 15 to 20 degrees, uh, the, the variation of temperatures that we can get. And what kind of yield are you getting per hectare? So because we have uh, less sunshine uh, hour, uh, we cannot work with the yield uh, that the other part of the world sure. uh, can work. So we, and also because the blocks are very small, 300 blocks on 30 hectares, it means that the blocks are smaller than in Burgundy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> That's small. <laughs> so uh, we we are losing like 30% of the surface around each block. When you've got a block of 10 hectares, you are losing 5% with the alley, with the access road. In our case, we are losing 30%. 
So wow. this also uh, decrease the yield because uh, we talk about full surface and full production for this full surface. This means that we are around three to four tons per hectare now with a vineyard planted by, uh, by the villager 15 years ago. Wow. And um, the 2013 vintage was considered good vintage? Uh, what do you think of the vintage? Yeah, we, we, it's a project, uh, it's a very long-term project. So um, we didn't know when we could uh, reach the minimum level we expected to, uh, to, uh, to start to create the brand. Uh, so we, we were not expecting uh, to start to sell uh, 2013 vintage. But after one year of reading and after making it taste to a lot of journalists, we, we really feel that uh, this wine was, uh, was, was uh, enough, uh, spectacular and unique to, to, to be sent to San Francisco. So the 2013 is the first vintage of the brand? Yes. It's oh, outstanding. Yeah, it's, uh, it's our first vintage. So this shows that uh, we didn't make any mistake for the climate and the, t and the soil. Uh, this is clear. Uh, clear. We work very hard and we have been lucky because we are learning every day. We are doing some mistake and learning from our mistake. And uh, we, we are proud uh, of, this, uh, of this first vintage. It has been a fantastic adventure and it's, it's already a great achievement to, to be here in Chicago with you today. Thank you. What's the uh, production? It's uh, 2,000 cases. 2,000 small production yes. then? Very small production. It will stay like this for, uh, for uh, five or ten more years because the vineyard we planted in 2015, half of the surface we planted last year, half of the surface has been planted in 2000. The vineyard we planted last year will, will take uh, seven or more years to, 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 uh, enfin, to reach the quality we need to to, uh, to increase the complexity of the first wine. So Obviously, China has become a very important market when it comes to first growth Bordeaux, Grand Cru Burgundy. Uh, is the idea for the brand to, to be Chinese and stay in China, or is it to become a global brand? No, it would have been very easy for us to stay in China and to sell the 2,000 cases in China. Uh, less travel and less communication and... And, um, but this is not what we want. We want to create an international brand and uh, we are just at the beginning of this, uh, but uh, we really want to create a, a great international uh, recognized brand, uh, more than a Chinese brand. And for sure, Chinese market should, uh, should create a high demand, but uh, we, we, we want to sell it worldwide. Terrific. How did you get to China? I mean, where, where did you come from before? Before you were making wine in China, where were you making wine? So, first table, I, I made, I, 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 um, I, I decide to be a winemaker because I, uh, I love to grow the plant. For me, this is the most beautiful thing on earth, to, to, to grow the plant, and this is a big part of the winemaker job, is you cannot make good wine with, uh, with bad grape, and actually, you just try to enhance the quality of the grape. And, uh, and I love, love traveling and meet different cultures uh, and learn every day. So uh, I did this in the beginning of my career. I traveled, I worked two years in Chile, nearly two years in South Africa. I challenged my uh, experience in Bordeaux with working in Burgundy, which is a completely uh, opposite philosophy. <laughs> yes. And after this, I settled down uh, in Saint-Emilion for seven years. So uh, it, it was very interesting. I mean. This is perhaps the best wine of the world. 
But I was a little bit, uh, I mean, there was not enough creativity. And when uh, Moetensi gave me this opportunity, uh, there was, uh, for me, it was clear I wanted to go, but it was more my wife, you know, because I am with my wife and my two kids. So it was more a decision of my wife, because sure. for me, it was a, like a winemaker dream to participate to an adventure like this that is combine uh, creativity like never, uh, culture, interaction, learning a lot. So I'm very lucky to have a very brave wife and uh, and also we had two very small kids when we arrived there, they were three and four years old. So it was a perfect age. Wow. So it means there's a lot of different uh, parameters that was on the green light that permit us to live this adventure. Where did the rootstock and vine stock come from? Did it come from, from Bordeaux? Yeah, uh, it's come from Bordeaux initially. This is a government that gives a plant to the farmer uh, 15 years ago. Um, but it's without rootstock. So actually, the, 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 this wine is made with Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc without rootstock. And uh, we study during two years the soil and the rest of the plantation that we did last year, we had some rootstock. First of all, to protect against the phylloxera. We are in a very remote place, but we never know. If it's <laughs> right. We already saw the phylloxera sure. reach a very remote place. And also because it's, it's another tool to improve the quality of the grape, to adapt the, the plant to the soil. So uh, we, we trust that uh, with uh, rootstock, with uh, optimizing the plantation density and the clone, uh, we hope that this plantation within 2015 will uh, will give a, a new birth to, to our wine in, in 10 years. Outstanding. What was it like to go to China? I mean, here's this communist, uh, very, very controlling government. Um, what's it like for a winemaker to make wine in that kind of culture? Uh, it's, it's uh, I don't know, we, we, we are in China, but the people we work with are Tibetan farmers. So uh, we know that uh, Tibet is a Chinese province and we are very close from Tibetan border, north of Yunnan province. And so we work with uh, Tibetan farmers. So we have a Chinese culture, we have Tibetan culture, we have a French culture, we have international culture. We try to keep, uh, to take the best of each. Uh, voilà. So Chinese government uh, try to help us as they can uh, to develop this project because it's a, uh, it's, uh, I mean, we are nearly the only one, we are the only one in this area to, to try to produce a great wine of, of this level. Um, and so there is a tourism potential and it's also, uh, it's also great to try to produce a, a luxury product in China. So uh, we have all the people from the government help us, but as you know, Chinese administration is so complicated that even if people help you, even <laughs> if they help us, it's still a very complicated, time-consuming. For example, we need to have a, uh, export license, we need to have a QS license to sell the wine in China. On the top of this, we need to have export license with all HACCP process. So we do the wine like, uh, we manage the vineyard, we do the wine like uh, 100 years ago. Uh, or, and and on, the same, on the same time, we need to respect uh, very complicated uh, administration and, and, uh, and process. Great. Um, tell me about the vinification process. Are, are you fairly hands-off? Are you inoculating? Are you using native yeasts? 
so basically, we really trust that the quality of the wine is coming from the grape, and uh, and we are not too much interventionist in the cellar. Uh, but for sure, we had some yeast uh, because we, we try we try uh, one barrel without yeast, and we were not convinced. Uh, so we we had some yeast, and and after we. We uh, we don't try to extract too much, so we we, we try to uh, we prefer to to let some some uh, sorry uh, so we we try to enhance the the quality of the grape without too much extraction, without too much oak, okay, um, and to to try to express this place. And is it French oak? Yeah, so it's fifty percent new barrel. This one is forty percent new barrel. And uh, the rest was uh, breeding in earth jar, terracotta jar. You know, so mm-hmm, they took mm-hmm. this from Chinese Baijiu, uh, which is a very uh, famous spirit in China. They edge their spirit in earth jar. So we took this kind of earth jar and we adapt a specific floating roof to avoid oxidation. And now the new vintage we do, we do 50% New York, 50% one year old barrel, but the malolactic fermentation, uh, we do it 50% New York and 50% terracotta jar. After the malolactic fermentation, the wine that was in terracotta jar is transferred in one year old barrel. Wow, that's interesting. So you've taken this ancient technology and adapted it to modern technology yeah. to make a wine that's uniquely Chinese. Yes. Yes, uh, and uh, the, 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 I think the most uh, the, why we are so different is really the climate and also the way we are working in the vineyard. Uh, 300 block on 30 hectare, very small block. It means that we do everything by hand. So it's unique uh, in the wine world, uh, from weeding to topping up, and there is no limit uh, of what you can do. I mean, we can do exactly what we want, and uh, it's much more accurate than the machine. And it seems like the vineyards are on steep hillsides? Yes. So obviously that would make the need for hand... uh Farming. Yes, it's, it was like this when we arrive, and we, we have no choice than to keep it like this because it's, if we want to mechanize, we will lose uh, 30% more of the surface, so we will only cultivate 40% of, of the surface. So we have no choice, but we are. So it's make compli- it's make it complicated because sometimes. So we need a lot of uh, farmers uh, working on our land. Sometimes they go to pick up the mushroom in the mountain, or they harvest, uh, they harvest the corn or their walnut. You have to understand that the place where we are is a uh, is, uh, farmer that are autonome in terms of, uh, term of food, uh, even in terms of house, they build their house by themselves uh, with, uh, with the wool and the earth uh, they found locally. Uh, and in terms of food, they are also uh, autonome because they have the animal, with the animal they give food to the plant, with doing compost, with the plant they give food to the animal. So uh, yeah, we uh, we uh, we really try to keep this uh, as it is, and it's very uh, they have a very autonomous way of working, very um, very sustainable. How was the transition for your family moving there, uh, <laughs> and, be, and for yourself, for yourself as well? I mean, from a, a Westerner to move to. China is got to be quite the shock. Um, are you adapting? Have you adapted? How is it going? 
Well, for me, it was difficult in Saint-Emilion because lack of creativity, and now it's difficult because there is a lot of things, a <laughs> to, to, lot of uh, issues to solve every day. But uh, this is uh, it's it's um, it's fulfill my my time and my spirit, so I'm very happy. The kids, they were three and four years old, so they follow happy parents without any problem. And my wife, she's happy also to give this opportunity to our kid to. Uh, to speak a second language, which is uh, fantastic, Chinese, and, uh, and to understand also a second culture, which is opposite as our culture. So in this, it's kind of a family adventure also um, for us. And what's your plan for the brand? Uh, but we try to improve the vineyard process mainly. I think we, we, have, uh, we have a lot to improve in the vineyard. So every day we try to understand better and to uh, improve the vineyard process to adapt to the global climate of the area, but also to each vintage. Each vintage have a very different climate. So uh, we, we try to, uh, to make a more complex wine um, each, uh, each day. Mm -hmm. How much of the wine will be brought into the United States? Uh, I think its uh, retail price is around three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars. Um, so, but really, compared to, uh, to to the to the energy to make this wine, uh, to to the money to make this wine is uh, is perhaps the most expensive wine to to do in this world because of uh, everything done by hand because of the very complicated logistic. And uh, the uniqueness of, of this wine, uh, of this wine, it's—I uh, mean, the, the reality it's, is there is no price. It's a, it's a stunning wine. I, I did a tasting yesterday that was um, Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley and from uh, South America, and nothing was even close to this wine in terms of quality and elegance and flavor and depth. Uh, it's absolutely stunning and really beautiful. Um, <clears throat> my question was though, how much is coming to the United States? How, how, how many cases are being imported? Do you know? So yes, a total of 2013 vintage is, um, is 2,000 cases and there is 500 cases allocated to uh, US. Okay, 500. But we'll be seeing this mostly high-end steakhouses, yes. high-end restaurants. Uh. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and there is also uh, a lot of clients that buy these to... They can drink it now. Uh, usually we, 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 we recommend to, to put one hour in the decanter or half an hour in the decanter and put back in the bottle, double decantation. Sure. So this can be drink now and, and we hope it can, it can age... Uh, long time. Um, sure, it's definitely got the tannin and acidity that you should be able to lay down easily 10, 15 years, huh? Yeah, there is a very strong acidity actually, stronger than, uh, than Medoc, uh, oh, yeah. than Medoc wine. And uh, yeah, we, it's, it's, uh, it's usually correlated with, uh, with a good aging potential. Mm -hmm. And how much time in barrel before release? Or before bottling? Alors, uh, this one stay uh, like uh, 10 months in barrel ten months because in barrel. we had a logistic problem. Mm -hmm. we, we had not our cellar. Uh, but uh, the next vintage, it, it stay between uh, between 12 to 16 months. It's, it's depending where we are fine tuning uh, the process. Each vintage are different again. So each vintage we adapt to, uh, to this. So what do you love about making Aoyun? I love the creativity that uh, this wine uh, permits us to, uh, to, to do. I mean, we, every day we have to find uh, 
we have to find a new way to do it. Mm -hmm. To do everything by hand in the vineyard is incredible. I mean, there, there is no limit. You can manicure each plant, work plant by plant. So it's incredible. Uh, mainly the creativity uh, involved. Uh, for me, uh, I love this. I love to create every day and to to find a solution to, to a problem. And, and this is a full me. Terrific. Makes sense. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, tasting your wine with me. Uh, I wish you all the best in your project. It's absolutely stunning, beautiful wine. I'm sure it's going to do wonderfully. Again, thank you. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. For John's tasting notes on the wines from this episode, go to www.thehonestpourpod.com. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to The Honest Pour with John Lennart at iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at The Honest Pour with John Lennart and follow us on Twitter at The Honest Pour. This has been The Honest Pour with John Lennart. Music by Kevin McLeod. 